Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Ephesians chapter 5, as we continue through our series in the book of Ephesians that we started all the way back around Easter time. And so we are, we are just making our way through. We're almost to the, to the finish line of Ephesians. As you're uh, turning in your word there, let me go ahead and just tell you um, and express my honor uh, and gratitude to you uh, to allow me to be your pastor, to allow me to stand up here each and every week and open God's word. It is truly a blessing that is by the grace of God and God alone that I'm allowed to do this. And so I just want to let you know I love you, and um, I'm just proud to be your pastor. And if you're visiting today, I am uh, just super excited that God brought you into the middle of a cow field to a church in the middle of Georgetown, Tennessee, and I pray that God's word would speak to your heart, it would penetrate you, and it would change you forever. So that's God's, let's get into God's word this morning. As, uh, as you saw in the lobby, there are, there are community groups. I just want to push that before I go out of the country. Uh, this is a time for us to grow in community. What is community? We're going to look at a book from Jerry Bridges uh, called True Community. Uh, Jerry Bridges wrote the the famous book, Pursuit of Holiness, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And so uh, we'll look at what it means to be a community of believers. And he says, you really have to look at the word koinonia, which is the word fellowship. And the first occurrence of the word fellowship in the New Testament occurs in Luke's account at, at the beginning of the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost. As a result of Peter's sermon, about 3,000 people believed in Christ. Luke says that they, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer, Acts 2.42. We're not surprised that these new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer, but to fellowship. It would seem strange to include fellowship among, along with the teaching and prayer if fellowship meant, meant no more than a Christian social activity. That is not what it meant. It meant that they shared a common life together. And so why would we meet in homes? And why would we sit around a table and, and break bread together? Because you're sharing a common life together. It, it's far deeper than, than sitting in a classroom. It is sharing life with other believers and, and building a community, a, a community of faith where you can get into God's word, but then you can also work through things in life, have people pray with you, have people hold you accountable in areas. And so I just want to encourage you to, to maybe take a step out of your comfort zone and get to know somebody um, and see what you share in common in Christ. And so uh, that's my little spill. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read through uh, verse 21 this morning. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is a covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness 
but instead expose them. For it is shameful even, even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us in our hearts, that you would write your word on our hearts, that you would penetrate through the flesh, through the, the hard-heartedness that we often have, Lord, that you would speak to us by your inner spirit. You would convict us when there is sin in our life, and you would lead us to walk in love, to walk in light, and walk in wisdom as we seek to be imitators of you in a lost and dying world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Right there, verse 1, we see, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. This is where we get the title for this morning, Be Imitators in Christ. And so over the last few weeks, we've seen what it looks like as Paul has described someone who walks in a manner worthy of the calling. And so what does it look like? Well, it's a, it's a body of believers. It's a unity that takes place. And so there are aspects of your life where you're going to have to take off the old and put on the new. And so you're going to have to take off things like lying, take off sin that is an anger, like being angry in sin, take off stealing and using unethical means to gain what's not yours, take off filthy speech and filthy words, take off unkindness towards others. And then he ends that chapter, verse uh, 432, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, therefore be imitators of God. Be Imitators. Now, the old maxim is this, that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Have you heard this? Imitation is the highest form of flattery, meaning that you value a person's actions, their attitude, and their character so much that you begin to mimic what they do. And this could be good and this could be bad. And probably one of the most uh, horrible ways to, to experience this is, is, a, is a time period called middle school. Right? Middle school, like, these bless their hearts, right? They've, they've just started back to school. They look lost. They look scared. They're in those in-between years between childhood and teenage years, and they're just trying to figure out who they are. And so what they do is they begin to mimic other people. Well, let me try this on for a little bit and see if this is who I am, or let me dress like this person because I value what they look like. And, and listen, I was not immune to this. Back in the early 90s, there was a period of time where I dressed and tried to act like Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I know. I, I thought MC Hammer Pants were cool. Um, there, was, there was times where I, I did silly things like wear my jeans backwards one day because a group named Crisscross did that at the movie awards or music awards. And so there were times where I did some really foolish things trying to imitate and trying to mimic what I thought was cool and then really realized that that was just foolish. But Paul here, he says, look, if, 
if you're a child of God and you know the Father, that's who you're going to want to mimic. That's who you're going to want to imitate. You're going to want to put on Christ so that you, you resemble him in the crowds that you go out and, and you're a part of. So, so how do you do this? Well, there's three areas of your walk that you're going to do this. I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to mimic Christ, imitate Christ by walking in love. Man, I'm, I'm going to love like God loves. I'm going to walk in light. I'm not going to be a part of darkness because I once was darkness, but now I'm light. And I'm going to walk in the light. I'm not going to walk in darkness and sin. And I'm going to walk in wisdom. No longer being foolish. No longer just, just living for myself. But I want to walk in wisdom because the days are evil. So let's be imitators of God. Number one. Be imitators of God by walking in love, not in lust. Walking in love. Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The love of Christ. Be imitators of the love of Christ. So what is this? Well, A, be imitators of a Christ-like love that is sacrificial, not selfish. If you're going to walk in love, then we're going to be sacrificial. We're not going to be selfish. And so we are given this command right here. Walk in love. You see the demand that comes forth. This is not new to us. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? In Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So there's a command, there's a demand that is put on a follower of Jesus that you're to love. Walk in love, and you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. This is the demand that is placed on us. Even Jesus in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So you are to love one another as Christ has loved. So there's the condition. Love's commanded. Love has a condition. It's defined as Christ loved. Well, there's a whole different level of love. If I'm going to love as Christ loved, then that has to be sacrificial. It cannot be selfish in any form or fashion. So how complete was it? The love was so complete that he gave himself up. So if I'm going to love like Christ loved, then I'm going to give up everything. It will be complete. Romans 5.8, it's unconditional, but God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Listen, this is, this is remarkable. There was nothing good about you that deserved the love of God. You're, you're not... You're not special in, in any form or fashion that he would say, oh, well, I love that one. Even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he placed his love upon you. For the love of Christ controls us, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So if we live sacrificially, we give of ourselves because 
His love controls us. It compels us to no longer live for ourselves. It's complete. It's completely displayed that he gave up himself for us. And it's continual. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. They were giving up their lives because of the love of Christ. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? This is the love of God that is now commanded of us that this is how you are to live. You are to live not selfishly, but sacrificially. It's corporate and continual. It's it's a dearly deep felt love. Well, we are to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Christ's love must be personal before it can ever be personified. You really have to be enamored with the love of Christ for it to be oozing out of your life. It it can't just be something you agree with. Oh yeah, God loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. It can't just be that. It has to be that I'm so enamored with the love of God that it oozes out of everything that is in me. I am am loved, and therefore I will love others. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Gave himself up for me. Do you hear how personal that is? This is the love of Christ. Be imitators of a Christ-like love that is sacrificial, not selfish. And B, be imitators of a Christ-like love that is evident in action, not by emotion. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love, the definition given to us in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. You see the actions behind love. It's not just emotional, but it's patient. It's kind. It's, it's not envying. It's not boasting. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not irritable. John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. What? If you love, if you have love for one another. It's evident. Christ's life was a fragrant offering of sacrifice, of worship. Our lives are to be laid on the altar. I am a living sacrifice, and that is my worship to the Lord, that my life now will be lived by the love of God. Love does is what one book is called written by written by Bob Goff he says but the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence it's a love that operates more like sign language than being spoken outright you can see it it's visible you can't say you love without also showing love 
We're called to show love, not just feel love. C, be imitators of a Christ-like love that operates in accordance with righteousness, not wrongdoing. A Christ-like love rejoices in what is right. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 or 7, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is the essential characteristic of God himself. Anyone who does not love, uh, does not love, does not know God because God is love. So as we look to love with a Christ-like love, our love must rejoice in what is right and true. That means any action or any thought that we say is done out of love that goes against the word of God is not love. Love does not sweep sin under the rug and say, well, it's okay because we love each other. No, it's not love, according to Scripture. It's wrongdoing, and love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love does not try to find ways to get around bad behavior. Love operates in accordance to righteousness. It is the very characteristic of God. So Paul would say, all right, walk in love, not in lust. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. What a destructive web of lies Satan has weaved by confusing the world on what the definition of love is. Because he has confused it with the temptation of the flesh and lust. The polar opposite of walking in self-sacrificing love is walking in a continual state of self-indulging lust. But sexual morality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among the saints. It shouldn't even be named among you. You should not be imitating the things of this world. The words there are pornonea and akatharsia, which put together mean any sexual activity outside of the biblical bonds of matrimony between one man and one woman that was established all the way back in Genesis. So this means, this includes any sexual intercourse, extramarital affairs, fornication, premarital sex, homosexuality, bestiality, incest, prostitution, and pornography. These shouldn't even be named among God's people. Because it's covetedness. It's coveting someone else's body for selfish gratification. That's not love. That's lust. And when Christians are sexually immoral, the testimony of the gospel is polluted in their life. How can this be? This is such a normal part of our society and culture all of a sudden that even these things are named among those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And even they would use the word love as an excuse. Well, we just love each other. That's not love. As Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 and 18 through 20, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You were, but you're not this anymore. In fact, but you were washed. 
you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You were. Listen, this is finished work. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Therefore, verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. I'm reading a book. Actually, I'm cheating. I'm listening to a book. I don't, don't, don't want to lie to you. It's an audio book, so you can't really claim I read it. I listened to it. And the pastor who wrote the book, his name's Josh Smith, and he says, Men do not have quick moral falls. They have slow moral slides. Behind every moral fall is years of failure to control the flesh. We will never gain any victory over sin unless we truly believe that walking with Jesus is better than living in sin. Wow. Honestly, the church oftentimes allows itself to go through moral slides because they think they can manage it. it shouldn't even be named among believers verse 4 let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is a covetous that is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 4, he says, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. I love this. The cure for a greedy, lustful attitude. Are you ready for the cure? If you're struggling with lust, this is the cure. A grateful, loving attitude. Because if you're struggling with lust, it shows you're not showing gratitude for what God has given you. Sexually immoral, lust-filled lifestyles and languages indicate an ungrateful and self-centered view on life. Thus revealing that Christ is not seated on the throne of your heart, but rather some created object is. So Paul here, he's saying, listen don't be deceived. There are individuals who are going to spend an eternity in hell because they practice these things. This is hard for us to believe, hard for us to take in, hard for us to accept because we live in the 21st century where everything is flooded with pornography. I mean, just every TV show, everything you try to watch, there's sexual innuendos that are thrown in. There's all types of of things that are thrown in our face, our TikToks that we watch or don't watch. <laughs> it just means that those who spend their life pursuing these things indicate that they have not been changed by the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying you won't struggle, because you will. But when those sins do come in our lives, we who are washed we who are sanctified, we who are justified, 
should bow our knees in humble repentance because we have a loving God who doesn't love us based on what we do and don't do, but he loves us based on what his son has done on our behalf. And so if I have problems with with sexually immoral things, I should weep over those things and not, not accept those things in my life. They shouldn't even be named among me because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am in the household of God, and I have a father that I want to imitate. And I can't love like he loves if I'm following the world in its lust. I just can't do both. So walk in love. Number two, be imitators of God by walking in light, not in darkness. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Partners. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. This is a progression that is given here by the psalmist. That There's, there's a warning about those who just kind of entertain the idea. They walk they entertain the idea. They're, they're just trying to get a feel for it to see, to see if they want to be a part of it. And then before too long, they find themselves standing around it, lingering where sin can easily occur. I mean, you know, you know this if you have the Internet, right? Well, I'm just going to walk in this area for a little bit and then just see what happens. And then I'm just going to stand there for a minute. And before too long, I'm sitting in the seat of a scoffer, meaning that I am scoffing at God and his law because I've decided that this is better for me. Don't be partners. For one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. I love this. It's not that you are in the light. It says you are the light. You are light. That Jesus would say in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, if you are light, you are to let that light shine. You are to be in the light because you are light, not in darkness, because you're not darkness any longer. You're to walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The fruit. We know the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, get this, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's walk in the light. Because just as fruit is produced because it needs light in order to be produced, we need to be in the light if we want to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So if we walk in the light as we're supposed to walk in the light, you'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. You'll have a fruit of, of love, a sacrificial service to God. Let me ask you, are you, are you struggling to sacrificially love others and sacrificially love God? Is it because you have been entertaining the darkness? You'll produce joy, a fruit of delighting and obedience to God. Is obedience to God difficult for you right now? Is it because you've been walking in darkness? Peace, a fruit of trusting and having confidence in God. Producing you patience, the fruit of humble perseverance when times are tough. 
produce in you kindness, the fruit of genuine benevolence towards other people. Walking in the light produces the fruit of goodness, a life marked with godliness and purity. Faithfulness is the fruit of keeping your promises and your covenant to God. Gentleness is the fruit of care towards others and self-control. The fruit of being able to control yourself as you walk through this dark world. Walk in the light. Verse 10, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Here's a good question. Will this make either myself or others sin or stumble into sin? Either with your kids, your kids do something just super foolish because that happens every once in a while. And you say this, this is what you say. What were you thinking? You ever say that to your kids? What what were you thinking? And, And then they usually go, I wasn't. You're like, I know. I know you weren't thinking because if you'd been thinking, you wouldn't have done this. So why were you not thinking? Like if you would just use your brain for a second and then you're like, okay, I'm being mean. I'm sorry. Right? This is, this is basically Paul saying, listen, use your brain. If you're going to walk in light, you're going to have to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And you can only discern what is pleasing to the Lord if you are spending time in his word. If you're neglecting the word of God in your life, it's really hard for you to discern what the will of God is for your life. So take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now he said, don't become partners, verse 7. Now he says, take no part in the unfruitful work. So you have no participation, which means don't partner with, don't have commonalities with. And then it takes a step further and says, don't let the darkness and the attitudes of darkness and the actions of darkness begin to be absorbed into your life. Don't let them be part of you. Have you ever been driving late at night and and you just felt like you were going to fall asleep at the wheel? I mean, there, there have been a couple of times in my life where I've, I've tried to drive all night long and I've had a bottle of water and I've had to like just pour the bottle of water on my face just to, just to stay awake. Because as you're driving, the darkness just seems to start getting darker and darker and darker. And what you don't realize is that your eyes are starting to dim. You're starting to close your eyes and yet you're driving. And how dangerous it is when someone falls asleep at the wheel because they then have no control over where they're going. They're either going in the ditch or they're coming into oncoming traffic. And there's no telling what can happen. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, wake up, sleeper. What are you doing in the darkness? You've allowed the darkness for so long to creep into your life that it's begun to dim your thoughts and your actions. You're not even thinking about what you're doing, and you're falling asleep at the will in your Christian life, and you're going to wreck either your life or you're going to damage other people's lives. Wake up, sleeper, before it's too late. Be imitators of God by walking in love, by walking in light. And here's the third one. Be imitators of God by walking in wisdom, not in wastefulness. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what, is the, will, what the will of the Lord is. Look carefully. It means that you no longer walk through life carelessly. 
Dr. G. Campbell Morgan gave an illustration. He said, he described a beautiful flower garden surrounded by a very high wall. To keep the intruders out, the builder of the wall placed hundreds of pieces of broken glass in the concrete at the very top of that wall to keep people from coming over. One day, he saw an old cat carefully walking on top of the wall, watching every step, stepping in between every piece of glass. Dr. Morgan says that's what it means to walk carefully in this sinful world because the days are evil. Listen, there's things riddling your path with sharp edges that Satan is throwing out there that he wants to just destroy you with. So look carefully how you walk. Look carefully how you step. Because if you step in this way for too long, you can damage yourself. You can damage others. You can shipwreck your faith. Verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's, here's the uh, conclusion. Be under the influence. And you're like, whoa. Not like that, right? This is basically what Paul says, be under the influence. You, you know what people look like when they're drunk. You can tell when they're under the influence. They're stumbling around, and they're slurring their words. They, they obviously are drunk because they've had too much wine. He said, but that's not you. I want you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that it's so obvious that you're filled with him. Be filled with the Spirit. This was in Acts 2.15. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day when the Holy Spirit came upon the early church. People were like, those people must be drunk. Look at them. And he's like, they're not, they're not under that influence. They're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's something radically different about them. So if we're to walk in wisdom, then we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to be so filled with the Spirit that it's obvious. So what are the evidences that you're filled with the Spirit? You ready? They're right here in Scripture. The proclamation of the gospel. Man, you just, you just want to tell people about Jesus. It, it, it's just pouring out of your mouth. I can't help but tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. It's addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I am, I am constantly lifting people up, telling them about Jesus. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, a personal praise and worship, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Does, do you find that as you're going throughout your day, you're just you're caught up in worship, just singing songs of praise because he has filled you in the heart? with so much gratitude that's a permeating gratitude for God, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're full of gratitude. And if you're full of gratitude, you won't be walking in lust. A prevalent love for God and others, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As I close this morning, I'm going to ask you, how's your walk? Let's be honest. Do you struggle with lust, pornography, sexual immorality? This is not a life of love. This is a life of lust. I would urge you this morning to confess your sin and bow before a holy God. 
because these things should not even be named among you. Do you feel that you're spiritually asleep at the wheel, just cruising along in life, but your life is showing that you're unfruitful in your walk with Christ? Awake, O sleeper. Arise, and he will shine upon you. Let me ask, is your your life marked by someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you would say, "I, I don't know if that's me today, then would you pray? Fill me with your spirit today. I am desperately in need of you because I am a wicked person and I walk among wicked people and I say wicked things and I know that that there's such darkness that tries to invade my life. Fill me with your spirit today. Will you pray that?